0: Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle of Braves FC podcast. Where we're focusing on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. My name is Jose Almania from the Sports Post. And joining me, as always, is Mario Amaya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing?
1: I am doing all right. Uh, I just want to wish our our mothers and all the mothers around the world a very happy Mother's Day.
0: Yes, happy Mother's Day to all. Let's just get down to it. Uh, we'll talk about the Washington Spirit reigning high in the top of the NWSL as the only undefeated in a moment. But we have to kick off with what transpired at Audi Field on Saturday night. And that is without its top two goal scorers and trailing in the in the later stages of the match on Saturday night, D.C. United were able to get, secure a late goal from Ted Pietro in the second half to earn a one-one draw against Nashville SC. Uh he took Ted, who we'll learn later on, and we'll talk about it later, was scheduled to be out for two weeks. Came in as part of a three-man sub took a great pass from Christian Fletcher in the 81st minute and did a one-timer to get the goal and it's his second goal of the season. United had been trailing 1-0 up to that point thanks to a goal in the 73rd minute from Alex Mule, which was more of a deflection, bounce-off, whatever you want to call it. It was one of mm-hmm. the luckiest goals you'll ever see.
1: It's scored. what you call limiting Snicket's series of unfortunate events if you're ever a goal.
0: United United played a great game. Like. Now, I'll just start with the analysis here and say United played a great game. United were the bet was the better team for about sixty percent of that game. Matter of fact, if you were coming from the first half into the second half, United controlled and dominated that game for about sixty minutes. That's what I call the Ben Olsen period. For those who weren't around during the tenure of Ben Olsen, that's when one of the first subs would happen rounds between sixty and sixty six. Ben would matches timing for substitutions for some reason with the time they call for alcohol closing at the stadium. I bring it up to say Wayne did not do a sub. Like he held his, his regulars out there and you could sense and feel as the tension was growing, you could sense a shift in terms of what was going on, who had control and suddenly Nashville were on the front foot. They made a couple of changes and then the accidental goal for Mule happened. United makes this triple sub, which, in retrospect, probably is the reason why United gets the victory. But they get the they do this triple sub. They bring in Ted. Draw. They bring they get the draw. Excuse me. They get the triple sub. They get they bring in Ted. They bring in uh, Fletcher, and they bring in uh, Dahomey and Firouan, who had an excellent game himself. They got the goal and two minutes later. So while that was probably the reason they got the draw, one can't help but look back and go, what if those subs came in a little earlier? In the post game, Wayne was very celebratory in terms of his comments about we salvaged the draw, we played a really good team. I think the players have showed the real togetherness and, and character to, to stick together. And firstly, to put the performance on, they did but secondly to, to get back into the game as well when we didn't deserve to be one down. So I'm pleased we got out of the game because that would have been hard, but delighted with the performance. But they got a draw out of it. Maybe maybe I'm being harsh, but Mario, go ahead. What are your thoughts on this game and United earning the draw?
1: You know, considering all, all the all the, the injuries that came into this game, in particular having Christian Benteke be ruled out for a knock prior to this game, I think DC United played really well. They were the better team for most of the game. They were able to control some of the opportunities, that some of the scoring opportunities. I think Nashville had a lot of uh, was just not that great offensively. I think defensively they held up all right, and and that considering that Walker Zimmerman didn't play for them. But DC United on the final third was. well, I was missing that punch a little bit, and that that's where you miss a guy like Christian Benteke on the lineup. In the lineup, I think Chris Durkin that that shot from Chris Durkin in the 36 minute should have gone in because he hit that ball perfectly. But just going to the subs, I think once they made the three subs, Christian Fletcher and Ted Kudepicher were really up for the challenge, and were looking to make a difference, and it kind of showed really quickly. I think the ball that Matias click plays into Fletcher that leads up to the goal, uh, leads up to the Kudy Pietro goal, was perfect because he plays it in this space. Christian Fletcher has enough time to pretty much figure out what's he going to do once he gets into the box. And then he sees Kudy Pietro, who just hits it. He doesn't do anything fancy with it.
0: Yeah, I thought Fletcher did a really good job of uh, beating his guy and then getting th- into the right space. And um I honestly didn't even call for the ball. Usually I would be screaming for it, but I knew Fletcher would find me in the end. So
1: easy tap in. They get a draw. I feel like given how DC United play, I feel like they could, they could have done a little more and deserved a little more that feel like they deserved a little bit of the three points, but they played good. They played a good game considering the injuries going into this game, considering the taxi injury and the sub in the 22nd minute. For the ham ball with with his hamstring injury. So they played all right, but I think that there are some (coughs) things that they still need to work on. I think depth is going to be, we keep saying this, right? Depth is going to be an issue with this team. And I feel it's something they should have addressed before the deadline. But now, going into this stretch of games where you're going to be playing a couple gate uh, double headers, you're going to have to pretty much find ways to create depth and keep players fresh and prevent injuries. Uh, but you no know, injuries are one of those unavoidable things, but it's something that needs to be addressed. I think going forward into the transfer window.
0: And in double headers, you mean like games of back to back? you mean like there's right. wins? the midweek games. Yeah, the midweek.
1: The- sorry. I meant yeah, to yeah, say yeah. No,
0: you're good. You're good. You're good. I'm covering for you. You're talking about midweek matches. They just came off of the U.S. Open Cup game, which we'll talk in about in a second. They're going to play Philly this Wednesday um, as well in Philly. And then they um, and then they come home for the Galaxy game, which I think both games are really important and critical for their season. Um, so early in an early stage, but it will send a message to the league because all eyes are going to be on them because of the, the opponent. Well, going back a little bit to what you said, um, I thought that the shape – playing more of a 4-5-1 a formation with Taxi playing the false nine. It was an interesting start, and but as soon as Taxi went down, with first he was clutching his uh, right thigh, uh, then he tried to get up and try to run back out, and then he went back almost two minutes in, went back down to the ground immediately, so... Wayne did, said that, you know, they're going to check on him throughout the week and announce what he may have. Doesn't look likely that he'll play the Philly game on Wednesday, which is one of the reasons they kind of kept the out of this game because Philly's going to be such an important game, and if he has a knock now, might as well hold them off for that Philly game. In terms of taxi, the way he just clutched, and it was a non-contact, no player was around him. The closest one was a midfielder, but it wasn't like he tripped on taxi or anything. Like taxi just pulled on his thigh, and it looks to be a hamstring injury, which is an injury he's had problems with in the past with United. Something to the monitor. Um, it just sucked to see him go down, but I thought the the flip of formation, you know, from the four five one and then flipping back, it's that same three back formation, obviously, and so. Without the numbers in attack, the formation helps because it's an easy plug and play. The guys got used to it with Hernan, and they just got better pieces around it with, like, Victor Paulson, Ruan, who, again, I'm saying he he had the best game of his DC United tenure thus far, you know, bombing down the flanks, providing additional attack um, for United. I thought it was his best game, and... Uh, But to that point, I thought it was a bad sub. I thought he was not the sub to take out, but obviously it ended up working out in the end, uh, bringing in fresh legs like Fletcher, who on that goal, he kind of mentioned, you know, he just popped up kind of like what you said, but more of like so many years of playing with Ted, he just knows he's going to be there. I just knew he was
1: there. I saw him early on, busting his tail to get to the box. So I knew if I made the defender jump
0: to my left, that it'd be open. So I just slid it in, and he was there. Ted was not even going to play, according to Wayne. Ted had an injury and was going to be, you know, he's been dealing with the ankle injury recently, and it didn't look like he was going to play. Google told three days ago that he'd be out injured for two weeks. He was struggling yesterday. He came to see me said if they need for 10, 15 minutes, then he'll give what he, he can. And he gets his rewards for that, for having that character and um, the rewards for for being brave and, and doing everything for the team. I thought overall, Ted's performance was great. If anything, that's the depth that I've been wanting is to see the youth get the play. I wanted the youth to get a chance to play. Um, and they shine. They rose to the occasion. I thought Fletcher played well for those 13 minutes. And he really showed that, hey, if Andy goes, if Ruan goes, I'm man, next man up, I could do this. Uh, I thought the midfield played great. And I have to give a shout out to Paulson and Pines. They did a great job of dealing with Hani Mukhtar. He was very ineffective, really. The entire match didn't really control anything, was rather like blank in terms of his effectiveness. He the was
1: time. kind of inexistent throughout the entire match. I think the one, one of the clear chances he had was a bonus is around the 19th minute. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's where he tries to chest the ball, but doesn't know where it's going to. If he wants to chest it down to take a shot or chest it down to the nearest player to him, which mm-hmm. I believe was Alex Mule at the time, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. And, but the indecision's right there that just shows that they were marking him out pretty well.
0: Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that formation. That 4-5-1 can sometimes become a five back. It kind of with that formation every time he touched the ball there was two people around him. And it's two to three defenders. I think I put it on Twitter like he he's being marked out. There's no real he's not really being effective. Teal Bumbury was kind of absent throughout the match. Um But, yeah, I thought United played a great game. My concern, and this was what I was trying to say to Wayne in the press conference, and I I don't mind him interrupting. I I get he's trying to protect his team, was their record currently at home is two wins, two losses, two draws. One of the worst records in the league right now in terms of home record does not concern him. Um, I know Wayne was trying to highlight the – the better performances, but I do think as a fan, I look at it and I go, well, I'm coming to these games. I'm expecting to see you guys win. And right now they're not getting the results at home. They're playing better away. Now this was an outlier. Yes. This like, let's make this a little more consistent. And that's why I think the galaxy game is going to be more important. More people than usual are going to come to the building more people than usual are going to come and to the stands and more people are going to go watch the game because it's the galaxy galaxy attracts eyes Chicharito it may play if he's healthy United have to prove that this is their home venue and I'm and yes they salvaged the draw. yes I know Nashville is in the top three of the Eastern Conference I know all of this however you can't tell me that oh we played, we played them off the park for 70 minutes. That doesn't mean anything to a fan. It's fine well, and
1: dandy at all, but if you don't yeah, get the win, right. it, it's really just kind of pointless.
0: Well, less of pointless, but it's window dressing to what you need to do. You say you want this team to be a playoff team. What to do to be a playoff team? You have to get results at home. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity with two of your key guys out. Taxi leaving early, Benteke not playing. You're playing so well, but you just couldn't find the goal, and that was the issue. And that was the point of bringing Eric Hurtado. Now the fans are gonna be happy because I gotta eat my words. That man was useless. I hate to call a player that, but he was nowhere to be found for large portions after coming in for Taxi. Now that could be that he maybe he's a better starter. Well, I don't know, like, but that was the game where he really needed to step up. And there were points where, you know, it's probably the worst $10,000 anyone has spent terribly on outside of a used car. And there's a lot of good used cars for $10,000. I'm not trying to trash Eric. I just thought that his whole point of him coming here was his held up play was was going to be efficient enough for United if Ben Ticket were to be out. And I just felt that there were times where it caused a couple of turnovers here, didn't really connect well with the wingbacks coming up, didn't feel like his hold-up play was strong enough. There were moments where Lewis O'Brien is basically the attack. There was a, one point in the second half where Lewis O'Brien takes on the whole uh, Nashville back line, and Eric Hurtado was at one point in his way. <laughs> and, then, and he could have scored had it not been like a random Eric Hurtado standing there. So it's, it's, it's those little things. and Yeah, he's just got here. I should give him time. But this is some of the things in the, the ways that the fan base is upset with the front office's lack of attention to depth during that last transfer window. And you hope that they address some of those concerns in the next transfer window. They're playing well now, but they need to continue that pace. I don't think it's a bad thing to ask Wayne Rooney. Is it a concern that you're not getting results at home, considering the situation ahead?
1: Right, I think that, and, and in this, especially in this league, home results are key. I feel like you need to make your home a fortress, a place where no opposing team wants to play in. And right now, with a record of two, two and two at home, I don't think it's cutting it. It's not a bad thing. It's certainly better than whatever our home record was looking like last year se- well, whatever home record they had last season at the, at this point in this juncture. But they they I think they have to find ways to get the result at home and probably play a little better. But they played okay, I think with Eric Hurtado. So far, he's played two games, one as a starter against the New York Red Bulls in the open cup and coming in for taxi in this game and he's been ill effective he hasn't been great he hasn't he hasn't changed the game that you wanted him to maybe the whole connection thing takes a little bit of time but it's not looking so great in these first two games for eric Rotato, especially considering that for the price that they paid you want to get a little more bang out of your buck from your forward and he's he's just not cutting it may, maybe he needs a little more adjusting maybe but when you are not the, when you have when you are not efficient in being the focal point of the attack it raises a little bit of concerns and it's something that you may want to look into going into the summer transfer and also if you're DC United you kind of want to start praying that Nottingham Forest gets relegated to the championship next season because i don't think you could go anywhere without lewis o'brien who has kind of been the game changer that you look for in the midfield he's got takes on attackers and i think he's going to be indispensable to Wayne Rooney going forward so however you want to get it done get it done just to keep lewis o'brien here yeah i kind
0: of tweeted that out late and i'll just be quick um, and tweeted that out late as well. It was like he was so good uh, yesterday. He, he, there were moments where he could have scored. And Chris, I think Chris Durkin played very, very well in his role as well, coming in basically as the second man in that midfield. Um, I thought he played well, um, helping out an attack, has a ball, hit the crossbar, one of the shots. Um, again, it's just these missed opportunities Without Christian Bateke, and you, if you're weighing, you have to start thinking, okay, he's not in, tax is not in. Who's my plan C? You know, who's going to score my goals after they're gone? And, you know, maybe you do need Andy back in the midfield. Maybe Ron can provide an extra piece of attack. Maybe some of the, you know, having Christian out there, Christian Fletcher, or having Di Pietro when he's healthy, really can be a spark for the attack. I really like Ted in his movement. Um, just him on the bad foot, that's what he can create. And I can imagine if he's healthy, what he can do. I just want to say this. I don't want it to seem like I'm piling on on this Eastern Conference home thing. UC United, of the playoff teams have currently, because UC United's in ninth place, um, the last playoff spot tied for ninth place with 15 points, but has the worst record out of everyone tied for that for that uh, playoff spot outside of Orlando, which is outside the playoff race, <laughs> with a 2-3-1 and one record, just one extra loss, but they played more games than United. So you have that, and then you have, you go to the Western Conference, which has been a tougher conference this year than usual. Minnesota, in the playoff hunt, hasn't won at home. So yes, it could be worse. However, based on the teams that are, In front of them, if United aspires to be a playoff team, they have to do better at home. That's my overall point. Again, I don't mind Wayne interrupting me, but don't try to correct me, man. I'm trying to ask the question, man. You're kind of nerve-wracking. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Wayne, he caused a stir midweek, and Mario got the peak at the U.S. Open Cup game live, and that is... His comments relating to the U.S. Open Cup and what he's saying, to the effect of when he found out that they didn't bid. So, for people who don't know, you have to bid for to be, to host the U.S. Open Cup games. The, reportedly, United did not bid because they had already given away their home site for the uh, Washington Spirit early, um, for them to host the Challenge Cup, and so. Once that decision was made, United did not, they couldn't, yes, they own Audi Field, but they're not going to kick out people who already scheduled a game. And according to the U.S. soccer uh, uh, protocol, both dates, the Tuesday and Wednesday of the week they want to play, have to be available. Thus, United didn't have those dates available. They did not bid. Wayne said when he learned that they did not uh bid he said i'm not gonna have my best players uh go short week and go play on a tough or turf field at a college somewhere in what i guess it's new jersey
1: Montclair, (laughs) new jersey to be exact
0: (laughs) so united sent um their second team they did not send any of the dps They sent, like, I want to say, like, two or three of their regular starters and that's about it. And they went up there, played against New York, and lost 1-0 to the Red Bulls, getting kicked out of the U.S. Open Cup. I just like to say, reportedly, (laughs) I've been trying to look this up, uh, reportedly, part of the deal with the stadium is that DC United has to play all Open Cup matches at the stadium. So if they had already scheduled uh, a match for the Spirit at that time, unless they changed the deal with the city, there was just no way humanly possible that they they were going to play that game anywhere else but Audi Field. And they're not going to play at Segra. Sorry, guys. It's just not going to happen. And so...
1: (laughs) No, why why would you want to play a game at Segra? That place is terrible. (laughs) Well, also because
0: Loudon was playing... Playing Columbus and Segura anyway. So they couldn't even play there.
1: So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, allegedly playing. We we know how that turned out.
0: And so we've had fun commentary the past couple of days. I've had fun uh, in my private time um, just listening to Sebi Salazar and just taking to take. And I want to gouge my eyes a little bit. I don't forgive the front office, but they're in a lose-lose situation. You're not going to kick the spirit out. And people are like, oh, but could they have known so far in advance? From my understanding, out of years of watching U.S. Open Cup, those dates are flexible. Like, U.S. Soccer does not release dates so far ahead in advance. It is not that cut, clear cut. And I went back and looked at the press releases from the U.S. Open, and it's just not clear cut when these dates are. So if I'm DC United, and yes, We'll get into do they care or not in a second. But if I'm DC United and I have to be so flexible, I can't even cover the other team who's my tenant to have matches. It's whoever gives me the schedule first. Like, honestly, first come, first serve at that point. And and at that point, the Challenge Cup came out at the same time the regular season did. So you're kind of – it's not fair. And you kind of have to pick a side here. I understand what Wayne is saying overall. I don't blame him, but he's holding water for the owners. Uh, it it, it kind of sucks. Could they have negotiated a new deal with the, the, the with the city? Return back to the soccerplex because I don't think they'll go to soccer even though they own it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it was a lose lose situation. They ended up going on the road and had to take a an L and get out, knocked out on the. In the Open Cup but Mario, what are your thoughts on the whole tobacco in general?
1: Well, first off, to the commentary team of the US Open Cup that called that game, it's a sod, not a sad. <laughs> it's a sod.
0: The commentary was sad. It
1: was very sad. It was a sad state of affairs in that commentary box. So, yes, it's a sod, not a sad. I type. Yeah, it's kind of a lose-lose situation it's a it's more of damned if you do damned if you don't I don't I don't think they're gonna kick out the spirit just to host a if you have a deal in place with the city they're just not gonna kick out the spirit uh for like out of uh it for, at a moment's notice just a bit of open for an open cup game first off the optics of that would be horrible so there's that uh if. Yeah, it's just like there, there's not a lot of like flexibility in that. And if you don't get like if you don't get uh, uh the schedule of the open cup and the flexibility of it is just when you just get like a like let's say a few weeks notice of when the next date's gonna be, then yeah, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to hold my breath out to go, oh well the open cup's important. It is, but if they if they tell you if they tell you when the challenge cup game is around the same time as they release the schedule then yeah i'd go with whoever tells me first as well so it's kind of a lose lose situation and with the sevy comments i'm just like bro i get it you have a gripe with the front office i feel like a lot of the fan base does at this point but if you don't know what you're actually talking about and don't know the particulars of why X, Y, and Z happened, just shut up. Just shut
0: well, up. All right. So what Sebi said was, you know, it, it seems like the, the the front office does not care about the Open Cup because they should have left the dates open. And as it's been reported multiple times, a shout-out to the U.S. Open Cup Twitter account, you have to have both days available that's it, game. the a story. And again, while you were talking, I went and double-checked. The dates don't get announced so early. And so if you're DC United, you're kind of damned if you do them if you don't. Um, now, where the optics look terrible is when, at the same time, when they knew the dates for the next round, had they won, everybody knew the next dates for the next round, they scheduled a, Uh, uh, friendly with Nakata. And so it's like, then it goes to what I wanted to mention now, which is clearly some people in the front office optically, I don't know, I can't report, but the optics suggest that DC United doesn't care about the Open Cup. And it goes into now we're going real nuclear here in the (laughs) Goes to Don Garber, who said at the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, they had an open meeting, said he doesn't care that people don't watch the Open Cup because the venues are crappy. They're small. They're playing on turf. Not a lot of people are out. He doesn't care that it's not doing well. And also, it's very hard to watch it because you can't find it anywhere.
1: Outside of YouTube.
0: Well, it's on YouTube. The later rounds are on YouTube. But in the first couple rounds when MLS teams got in, you couldn't find it anywhere because U.S. soccer does not pay for this until the later rounds. It is the responsibility of the clubs to put out the feed, whether it's radio or video. And we're now in a video world where we get access to everything on video but we couldn't find a feed anywhere and so you lift, you're leaving it to the responsibility of these teams some of them don't want to pay for for that they just don't they make no money off of it to open up all of Audi Field for 4 or 5k when you you know during a Capital Cup game regardless how friendly it is they can pull in 7 nine, ten. And it, 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 they have to weigh out their options here. Sure, the Spirit Game, um, Mario, you went. I don't know if you have the attendance on you, but I guarantee it was probably between seven to nine. So I could double check to be sure, but I'm just saying this
1: for United. It's probably it's probably more around the five between the five and seven seven thousand range. But yeah, there'd be a little more. There's a little more of a crowd than there was for. Uh, for, open, for the Open Cup game against Richmond.
0: Yeah, and so overall, look, it's a damn-if-you-do-damn-if-you-don't situation for United. I think that Wayne, and this kind of goes into the curiosity of Wayne, how much control he really has in terms of what DC United does on the front office side, on the transfer side. This That's always been kind of a question mark for me. And, and for him to say that, means that he's there's there's a failure of communication one way or the other or he doesn't care to, to 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 understand but clearly it irked them that they lost against New York clearly it irked them uh to bring that up it, it clearly shows that regardless of what if he cares about the open cup or not it irked, that they lost against New York it should they should have won that game in my opinion i haven't watched a minute of it because i was and so, and so, but I do know that, look, I agree with the fan base in this. This team is just built on trophies. They shouldn't sacrifice a trophy because they don't expect five to 8,000 people in attendance. Now, but that goes to, again, do you make the, you call the city and you say, can we make a deal to play these games at Segura, Soccerplex, howard georgetown wherever because up at that point i mean that's what you got to do you just can't if especially if you can't if you're going to share a venue with the spirit if you're going to share a venue with the defenders you got to figure out a plan a, a substitute plan especially next year and the years after if, you, if you're going to have this relationship with these two teams to what extent is the U.S. Open Cup important to us? I would love them to care about the U.S. Open Cup. I love the U.S. Open Cup. But I can tell you from my own past dealing with the front office, it's sometimes very rough in terms of scheduling, in terms of turnout, in terms of effort, quality of play. It's just all just a hassle at times. And so for them it may not be worth the investment this is this i'm telling you because i've worked there I'm telling you this because i've spoken to people who used to work there currently work there sometimes it's just not worth the investment so i wouldn't be surprised the front office shouldn't act that way especially in the tump, with, with a club with the legacy that dc united has however you have to think about your relationship with the spirit your relationship with the defenders how much wear and tear you're going to give in that field, and if you can even play it at Audi. It's plain and simple. I am always in favor of calling it the front office. But this is one of those weird damn if you do, damn if you don't situations in my
1: book. Right. It's just one of those things that it's a little bit out of the front office's control at this point. Like, it's to deal with the city, I, I feel like maybe if you did go into that bidding process, You do talk to the city at first, see if you make an exception to the rule.
0: Or you talk to the spirit, and we make it clear that going forward, the first two weeks of May and the first two weeks of June and the first two weeks of April, no Challenge Cup games can be played here because we want to be able to be a part of the bidding process for U.S. Open Cup games. Like That has to be part of the negotiations if you're going to care.
1: This is true. I think that it, it's something that you should talk to them early before the season starts at At this point. Now I'm going forward. Now the game itself, I watch the game. Um, <laughs> it, DC United, play, they, they, they struggled there for a second. Your Let's question. just be
0: happy they got that drug is natural. Yeah, <laughs>
1: just be happy because uh, quite frankly... <laughs> There are certain instances where DC United and possession did, were not were not each other's best friends, and New York pretty much dominated probably most of the first half. DC United didn't even get a shot on goal until the latter part of the first half, if I'm not mistaken. I may be wrong here. I'd, I'd have to double check, but they 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 were they didn't look great. They looked a little bit better in the second half. With uh, especially with Yamil Assad, it's Assad again. Come on, commentary team. You you have to pr- you have to like find someone that will like help you pronounce that. Sorry that I went off a tangent there, <laughs> but I just have to get that off my chest. Again, it's Assad, not Assad. Uh, Assad pr- was uh was all right. I think that for the most part, DC United just lacked the punch. And it was weird because they played good against Cincinnati. It was this game against the Red Bulls again on an, in an open cup where they're just like, they lacked the firepower or they, they couldn't really get through the New York Red Bulls defense. And I'm not trying to shade the Red Bulls. I think the Red Bulls played really well. I think Omir Fernandez and John Tolkien were two guys that gave – dc united defenders uh a lot of a lot of fits brandon Hines, ike looked pretty solid again this was his first game back as a starter from the injury uh eric ortado like we mentioned earlier with the nashville game was non-existent oh i'm just gonna say that right now non-existent and he did have a breakaway chance but the defender got back to him where I'm just sitting here, man, you gotta at least take a shot at that point. But outside of that, I, I feel like you have to do better when it comes to these games. I, I'm not saying that they didn't try; I they tried a lot more than they did last season when Chad Ashton was coaching them. But it's just it, it just didn't it just didn't go their way. Nah, I think moving forward, yeah, maybe you should bid for for the uh for for these games. Also, if you're the Red Bulls, I'd have played this game at Red Bull Arena. Like there's why? not why enough criti-
0: there's not enough criticism about that. I don't you, mean
1: a- why the hell are you playing this game in a fucking pardon my French <laughs> at a school f- at a school field in Montclair, New Jersey? You could easily play this game at Red Bull Arena. That looks about the same. You could have played it there. You could have played this game at Red Bull Arena. Why are you playing it at a school in Montclair, New Jersey? that That's just me. It, again, it's not like Red Bull Arena was hosting anything that day. I could understand if you couldn't play it at Lincoln Financial Field because Taylor Swift was having a concert that week. That I could get. Uh, but other than that, like... It wasn't really anything going on. I don't understand why you're playing it in a a, a different location. You could have played at Red Bull Arena.
0: They could have played at a giant at MetLife. They could have played it there. They could have played it at the American Mall down there. They could have played it anywhere. They chose to play it at Montclair, and that's why I'm not mad at Wayne's comments about, I'm not going to have my players go get injured in a plastic pitch at a college field with drunk people. You're playing
1: on turf. Yeah
0: playing blame. on turf. I don't blame them. Again, I don't mind calling out the front office and they deserve it, but this is one of those weird ones where I'm like... Ah, ah. It is what it is. It's a catch uh,
1: too. Yeah.
0: And again, if the schedule makers take forever in a day, I, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. And so, look, I... I think overall, United, poor showing once again in the Open Cup. It's back-to-back years. I think they do need to do you better. lost to
1: LBW. the Red Bulls for the second year in a row in the round of 32. And
0: I think hey. that's what's getting in the crawl of DC United fans like Tavi Salazar. You can be mad about it and be just honest about it. Like, it sucks to lose to your rival two years straight, and especially in that manner. Just,
1: yeah, you— they, Two lackluster performances in the round of 32 of the U.S. Open (laughs) Cup. I'll go ahead and say it. That's pretty unacceptable.
0: Yes. No, agreed. Agreed. And it's sour. It's sour. But at least one team that isn't making everything sour for the D.C. area, and that is the Washington Spirit, who not only gave us a beautiful performance at home 4 2 final. in, open, in Challenge Cup play, we also get <laughs> – we'll get into the Michelle King stuff in a second. But they go on the road. They beat Angel City one nothing. It was a back-and-forth affair. Both teams really just going all out for once And I know this is going to sound so petty. Well, for once, the Spirit stopped Savannah McCaskill from scoring against them. Jesus, for years, I've seen her destroy the Spirit for no reckless abandonment. For once, they stopped her. Both teams playing great offensively, defensively. But the play of the game that's getting on everybody's freaking nerves. Well, if you're not a Spirit fan. If you're a Spirit fan, you have a feeling about this. So it's the 90th minute, a throw in. Long throw in by Amber Brooks goes into the penalty area, bounces around. Uh, Shiva gets tries to go volley up onto the goalkeeper. Angel City defender jumps to try and block the volley, has it hit her hip, bounce off her arms, go out of bounds. Referee calls a penalty because it happened inside the penalty area. Goes to VAR. I'll repeat the words that uh, Tony Miola on commentary says, "I don't know if VAR has a clear or obvious chance to change the call unquote it, 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 and and that's what ended up happening the The referees did not change the call. Spirit get the penalty call. Ashley Hatch buries it perfectly into the net. Scores. That's your game winner. Post game, here is what the referee told the pool reporter uh, about the penalty kick call. Quote: Although the ball struck the body of the defender first, there was a secondary motion of the arm. This movement of the arm was at and above the shoulder, making the body in putting the body in an unnatural, putting making the body unnaturally bigger. Blocking the path of the ball, a penalty was awarded for handball, unquote. Mario, while we could be Spirit fans, what were your thoughts on the call?
1: I thought it was a little bit harsh at first. I was like, ah, I don't know if it is a penalty, because at first you only see the ball hitting her hip and then bouncing off her shoulder. But because of the unnatural movement, it's going to be called anyway. I feel like, yes, it's a little harsh to call the penalty. Maybe a soft penalty kick call. But at the end of the day, it is a penalty call, call nevertheless. I don't think I totally disagree with the referee. And I think to answer Tony Mayola's question, even with VAR, they were going to still stand on that decision anyway. Because at the end of the day, it is a clear-cut penalty.
0: Well, I don't and, think it's his decision. It, it was his commentary. He was just saying that
1: yeah, it it's like, not
0: clear and obvious that they can it's make It's not clear and change. obvious,
1: but I feel like they were going to stick to their guns. Reg- the referees were going to stick to their guns regardless on that call. That's they gonna, yeah. They are going to call it for what it was, a penalty. I don't think it was much... I, you may have a different opinion than I do. I think... It was. It wasn't that big of a deal. We we're call we're not calling it a penalty, but I understand why they called it. But it's a little bit soft, in my opinion. Now, how Ashley Hatch took that penalty, wow, perfect. He couldn't have hit it any better. It's
0: soft, but it's the right call. <laughs> I am a part of the if it's a handball in the penalty area and disturbs the flight of the ball. It's a handball. I am that dude. I'm sorry. I, you can call me a hater. You can do whatever you want. It's a handball for me. I'm sorry. That 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 is a clear-cut handball to me. It is what it is for me. I, I thought it was a handball because our arm is bigger. It has a secondary movement, which causes the ball to deflect the path. That ball should have rolled out for a corner. Instead, it rolled out for a throwing. Um, that's different. We all know that's different. It's much different to take a corner and having a chance to kick the ball directly into the penalty area, whereas in a throw-in, you could throw it back, throw it nearby. You have different options depending on the play you're trying to run, whereas a corner kick, you're deliberately set up to try a set piece that's deliberately set preparing you to take an take advantage Opportunity in front of goal. I, I, I feel sorry for the VAR and the referee there. I thought the explanation was okay, but I could see why Angel City fans feel aggrieved. They don't feel like it was a handball. Both teams in different points. It was a chippy affair. Uh, It was a little chippy at some points. Referee was very hesitant to pull out cards because the game was being played so well. And so when you had chippy moments where you're wondering, well, why didn't Sullivan get a yellow here? Why didn't McCasco get a yellow here until she finally did? You can't help but be like, Well, why is this where you you stand your ground on? But again, I feel like it was a pen. Actually had to bury it. Overall, this game was great. Like I wrote like three pages of notes. Just in general, watching this game because it was just so back and forth. I thought the Spirit did an excellent job at limiting Alyssa Thompson when possible. I can't believe I I am utterly stunned how the Spirit have Tara McCune has become a full fledged center back and has done a great job at limiting opposing attackers' opportunities. I thought she was great
1: at limiting... You know what? I'm going to say the following. Art Parsons, I see the vision. I see it (laughs) I see it. I thought... Outside of
0: the the first... I thought that uh, Thompson is just a handful. She runs at defenders. But I thought for long stretches, uh, I thought McCune did a good job. Um, She did have that one opportunity right before halftime that bounced off her boot that had it deflected a different way. That's an own goal. Luckily, it goes wide. But um, I thought she did a great job defensively. I thought the Spirit played well defensively, offensively. They were just missing that goal. But then at the same time, like, Angel City did a great job at limiting uh, Trinity Robbin. I thought that Trinity Robbin had moments where she just was hardened by good defending. I thought that they did a great job at limiting her, and her and how great she can play. Kingsbury had a moment where she looked appeared to be injured, but she stayed in there, um, and she was good at limiting chances. But you know, you had moments like Sanchez in the second half. She had one moment where she was by herself and elected to give a pass. And then when she had the same opportunity two minutes later, she took a shot and damn near made the goalkeeper almost drop the ball into the net. So. It was a back-and-forth affair. Both teams really did a great job. And it's one of those things, I like, think back to the Dodgers-Giants World Series um, playoff game, Game 7, where you don't want the referee to influence the game. People are going to look at this in two different ways, where people will say, oh, that's a strikeout. Yes, he swung. And other people are going to be like, oh, I don't know. He probably should have swallowed it there. Some people are going to see that and go, that looks really accidental handball. And then you're going to have spirit fans that go, yo, hit the hand. Deflected the – ruined the flight of the ball. That's a handball. Clear as day. You got to call it. But at the end of the day, for the spirit to get that result and now are sitting at the top of the table, man, this team is going places. They're doing better than what they did last year. And I'll say – they are currently on the longest unbeaten streak start in team history. This team did absolutely diddly squat last year after uh, getting to the Challenge Cup final last year, and to see them just plowing through forward and just wrecking every competition in front of them—if you're a spirit fan, this is a great day for you to be excited on where this team is going.
1: Right, because they're playing extremely well right now, outside of Tara McCune playing excellent at center back. Something I didn't think I'd say a year ago. (laughs) Sam Sam Staub has become the Iron Woman of this team. We're now, what, at her 75th consecutive start now and counting? uh, Previous uh, consecutive start holder, uh, Sam Staub at 74. That was last week. And so I think they played well. I think Aubrey Kingsbury was able to hold her own. I think defensively, this team is sound. I think that that's got to be one of the cores that defensively this team can, is sound. You've got a, two pairs of center backs in McCune and Staub that could hold their own and pretty much command everything. Amber Brooks has become, has become a very, uh, a very important cog in that defense, playing playing on the wing. Uh, Carl has also been has also been really well. So you got the wing play that's going well perfectly. But yeah, this has been a really good start for the Spirits so far, and I think they you could they're now officially not that they haven't bought into it, but now they're seeing what Mark Parsons was wanting to do with in his system and the style of play that he wanted to implement and now that it's implemented a lot more you see them you see them thrive a lot more it was shaky the first couple of games yes and then you had to adjust to different styles of play but now it's more offensive there's a balance to to their to their style of play that you didn't really see at all last season and now this season it's all coming together and it's coming at a, and they're hitting their stride at just probably the right time and the same thing happened in the uh, in the challenge cup game as well they were they they went down early against orlando but they were able to come back and two of those goals were absolute bangers by the way
0: yeah, the, the two, I mean, all of them were outside the penalty area. She was goal, was outstanding. Sam Stops free kick, probably the goal of the year thus far in the NWSL. You had Sanchez catching the goalkeeper out of her box and getting it right on the dime for her goal. Spirit played excellently in that Challenge Cup game. They took advantage of... Will not even take advantage. They flop back, like you said, of going down early. And now they, they're they going to be prepared, hopefully more prepared to take on Orlando this upcoming week. Um, I It's less for me about being sold with Parsons' idea, but more that they have a clear identity with what they were already good at. I think that last year, the coaching staff really wanted to combine possession base, but also play counterattack by playing it from the back, but using Rodman's speed. It's like so many different philosophies and trying to put it in together. Sometimes you just need to be simple, and I think that that's what Parsons has brought in is just the simplicity. We're going to play a little bit more counterattack, more direct. We're going to look for our striker, Ashley Hatch. We're going to give her crosses because she's great at crosses it was one of the things that got to me last year was you have probably one of the best person scored score off her head and you're not utilizing her to her abilities. And so now they're using her best ability. She's taking penalty kicks. You can tell she's had more confidence. Someone's trying to get a call ups again and you have everyone is clicking. That's the beautiful part is everyone's clicking and you see that everybody is contributing uh, just real quick before we head out of here, Michelle Kang. It looks to be more official that she's buying the women's half of Lyonnais French side. Um, she was seen at the uh, at the Coupe de France final over the weekend, where Lyon won two to one to PSG. Um, almost everybody was saying, you know, this one is for our new owner. Michelle Kang. Michelle Kang was also part of the, the medal ceremony. Was awarded a medal. It is getting messy. Though I can say that we reached out to the Washington Spirit and the Washington Spirit, they said told the Battle of FC podcast that they have no comment at this time. But it's clear to me that Michelle Kang is going to be an owner of Leonet. It's just about when is it going to be official on the US side it's gonna create a mess. We do know that uh there that Leonette's trying to sell ol rain over in uh Seattle uh at the current time all I'm gonna say about this is someone's got some explaining to do like this is this is <laughs> this is taking a while for a lot of explaining number one and number two if I'm a spirit fan while well, I think this is cool and Michelle King has mentioned she kind of wants to build like a City Football Group style of effort revolved about the Washington Spirit. How will her purchase of Leone limit the funds that she wants to build her training facility in the D.C. area? How much is it going to affect transfers for the Spirit? How much is it going to affect? And what people aren't paying attention to really is what if you have players in the Spirit that want to test their medal in Europe? leonet was is and was the original powerhouse of europe in women's soccer how much would ashley sanchez entertain playing in leonet would a trinity Rodman want to test her metal playing in europe and and if you're michelle king would you rather her be transferred or would you rather her stay within the umbrella that you're creating this spirit europe and whatever you're doing with leonet and the spirit here like, there's so many questions here, and I don't want to speculate much, but just say that uh, there's a lot of explaining that needs to be done.
1: Yeah, first off, uh, and this whole Michelle Kang world domination thing is coming to fruition now.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and, yeah we now see the vision. I see it. I see it. And uh,
0: You do? I don't. I'm confused. I,
1: I, I mean, <laughs> look, uh, I'm, I'm just saying that to just be funny, but it's interesting to see how this is going to move forward and yeah I think one of the best ways to have your be- players want to test their battle in Europe is uh, allegedly let's just go with that uh get getting them to play within your umbrella and what better way to test yourself than with one of the mo- with one of the premier women's teams in the world at Olympique day but I do find it fascinating that, that she- that's
0: just speculative on my
1: part. Yeah, but it's bit speculative yeah. Well, I just find it fascinating that there's pictures of her at the Coupe de France final hugging Ada Hindenburg out of all people, which also brings me to the speculation. So, Ada, are you coming to Washington? You know? See, Uh, see, I saw that. I saw a lot of fans do that. Yeah, yeah. again, it's a pipe dream. I'm just messing around. Again... But uh, this is this is interesting. All the speculation going around it is interesting, and it's got. And I want to see how this plays out.
0: I mean, look, I too, I, we've been. This has been a story we've been kind of like avoiding because there's been very little information that's publicly available at the moment. The spirit can't talk right now. We don't know the implications in terms of how this could um, impact the NWSL and the spirit. All I could really say is, you know, no one's talked yet. At soon, at some point, someone will have to talk and explain what the hell is going on because right now it just looks like a complete and utter mess. And I do think um, it, it, it's it's messy. It's messy, and, and so, so people have to. It, it's one of those where. It's one of those where the league needs to respond quickly because the sale, it looks to be complete. You need to see what conflict of interest have. Are we going to an MLS style of the 2000s where AEG owned like three of the clubs and then slowly, well, three, it was like five, owned five of the clubs, <laughs> and, then, and then at some point they had to give up the rights to some of them. I.E. D.C. United, hello. And so... and so those
1: rights real quick to D.C. United.
0: Well, they sold them. They they made money off of it. I can't be mad at them. But what I'm saying is, at some point, questions have to... There needs to be answers. It can't be just no comment, no comment, because I'm not sure. We've got... Michelle has worked under the, the, the covers a lot since she's come into the NWSL. For those who haven't paid attention... She is not as forward as it seems to be in the public face. A lot of times, she is very quiet in the way she moves. She's very quiet in the way she. I mean, look, the way she got the ownership was quietly telling the other minority owners, "Join me, or or you're going to be, you know, screwed." And so, you have that. And so, this should be very strategic. That
1: that that's the best. Yeah, it's very strategic. She's very strategic on the way she moves. She doesn't go out there and blatantly tell you what it is. She keeps it under wraps. And once she's done the move, then she'll tell you.
0: All I'm saying is there needs to be some more explanations. Like, this has been very kept quiet, low brow. No one knows much of anything, really. And if I'm a Spirit fan, I want to know, how does this impact my team? I need to know, will this impact the chances of us getting that complex? Will DC want to work with her? Like, yes, she is a community woman. She's been out doing things in the community. The team has been great. They work together with DC Scores. But how invested will she be going forward? This is, again, was the, and currently still kind of is, the top European women's soccer team in Wi-fi in Europe. Like, Bar none. Regardless of what Barcelona is attempting to do right now, it's still Leonel number one. They beat Barcelona last year. This is the best women's soccer side in the world currently. No disrespect, that's just an opinion, and they kind of have to answer what with all the changes. What's going on? It feels like both sides of the pond are still kind of confused about the matter.
1: Yeah, I just want to see what happens from here, from moving. Uh, what happens here on out? Because again like you said we just don't know
0: yeah but all signs point to her as the new owner and all signs are are for us to just shut up and end this podcast so before we let you go mario tell the people where they can find out more about you
1: all right if you want to know what i'm working on or you just want to hear me uh or you just want to hear my opinion on classic sneakers you can follow me on twitter baby at mario Maya one you can follow me on instagram or as the kids call it, I don't know, if they still call it that call it down, the gram or Ig at M underscore Amaya91. You want to know what's going on in the world around you, or just want information on what's going on in your community or in the DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well at El Tiempo Latino. You can go to their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to put money in my pocket so I can buy myself a pair of Dior ones, you could put, you could go get yourself a hard copy. Of the of El Tiempo Latino at your local newsstand or metro station today.
0: And Michelle, if you want to buy the Bad for the podcast, we're always for sale. Anyway, <laughs> remember to uh subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much to Kevin McCloud and Protect for the intro natural music. You can always follow me, Jose Umana at Jose underscore M underscore Mana for more. And remember to always uh, give your thoughts and feedbacks on social as well as on uh, Google and Spotify. We appreciate all the feedback we get, whether you let us know or not. It's We really do. It allows us to be better reporters, better reach out, better to double check our facts before we talk. And better entertain you, the audience. So, thank you so much for tuning in to the Battle of FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon.
1: Adios.